Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of Damsels and the DMs. And I don't put all my eggs in my acting basket. And I think that that is like my number one. It doesn't affect me and my life that much. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. There's some damsels in the DM. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah we see them, yeah we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them. Please, yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. And I'm Ash. And, and I'm Ash. We're a week vacation, dude. Yeah, please tell us everything. Max is sitting next to me like this idiot. <laughs> I literally cried about not having my own space like when we got back. And he's like, oh yeah, three vacation? How fun. Didn't you do have your own space though? No, we were traveling for three weeks with like three weeks at a time. Yeah. And I mean like my own spaces and you know how I am, like my own home and my own stuff and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so it was a little bit hard for me but i am we're back in paris and i'm like getting used to having my own space again so that's good how were the vacations it was so good it was nice the first week was just us we went to his like family's place in the west and then the next two were in biarritz and cap Ferry, which is also down southwest and it was really fun it was with all his friends there were it was full of French. I feel like I've just been listening to French nonstop. No. I'm excited to speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Is your French better? To be honest, like I didn't speak much when I was there. Like I didn't speak in any French when I was there. I was just speaking English, but I heard a lot of French around me and everyone was speaking French. So I think my listening skills are better, but my speaking skills are, I just... For some reason, I don't have the confidence to speak right now, and I don't know why. It takes a little bit. I remember that with Spanish, that, like, you kind of have to just jump into it. And I remember when I went back to my friend's wedding in Sevilla, like, I met with my tutor a lot before I went to the wedding because I just wanted to feel like, okay, I'm just going to go for it once I get there because I feel bad, like, being the only person that people have to speak English to. Yeah. That's how I felt too. I was like, and people would be like, guys, remember, like, speak English. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't <laughs> want to make you guys speak English just for me. Like, I'm the only person that doesn't speak French. But they would, they would keep, like, remembering here and there. And they'd be like, guys, remember, speak English. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going to go <laughs> for, like, an hour or two so you can speak French. <laughs> well, we've missed you on the podcast. It's nice to have you back. I know, it's been so long. Are you still in the Tahoe area, or where are you? I'm at Murphy's at Brian's cabin. His parents are selling the house, so it's the last, like, month to be here. And it was really nice because my family came and visited for the weekend, so they got to experience Murphy's. Oh, that's so nice. So you had, like, your parents and his parents all together? His parents weren't here because they were here the last couple weekends, so it was just my family here. Okay. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's so funny with both you and my sister in France now because, like, my sister has also been on a month-long vacation, and my family is all, like, she's just always on vacation. Like, what is she doing? Yeah. Like, she's just been on vacation for a month. And I know that, like, Europeans don't believe on working on vacation. So I'm like, this must be so funny for your Maxime, who's, like, listening to you do a podcast, and he's like, but it's vacation because, like, they so fully believe in vacation. <laughs> Are you working? No, actually, he's, like, working on his, like, restaurant concept and stuff, so he has been busy working right like we were not doing anything while we we're on vacation i was just trying to catch up with my nutrition school which i'm so so behind that i don't even want to talk about <laughs> but so three weeks of us like barely doing any work and now he you know he went as soon as we got back we're like we need to focus and like completely just be focused on our careers and it's been hard for me to even like remember to post stories like when you're on vacation mode and everybody else is on vacation mode around you like nobody's working it's so yeah. hard to do anything especially like it kind of felt like a go 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 type of vacation and i'm glad that yeah. maxime is the most american frenchman then <laughs> yes he really is <laughs> beautiful dude. i don't even know he was listening to us he's just busy so i'm so excited to talk to sakai she i found her through i think it was backstage or imdb's ones to watch list that they do for 2023 she is she went to juilliard so she's a juliet girly and mm. you know i just there's a part of me that wishes I also went to, you know, like everyone wishes they went to Juilliard. Yeah. So I'm very excited to talk to her. She was also in Paper Girl, which is on Amazon Prime. And I am excited to talk to her about that too. And she's here. Oh my God. So Look, speak of the devil. <laughs> oh my God. Hi, ladies. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Nice Thank you for being you. with us bright and early. I'm so happy to be here. It's also 11 for me. So I'm okay, not, good. it's, I'm not like, you guys are really, you're in it right now. I'm not. No, just me. <laughs> okay, yeah. great. I live in Paris, so it's 5 p.m. for me. Okay, me. I, that's what I figured. I was like, we're not, we're all trying to figure this out. We're all trying to figure yes. this yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Sakai, thank you so much for joining us. Please, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you're located, and how you began your journey into acting? Totally, yeah. So I am originally, I'm born and raised in Portland, Oregon, and I started acting when I was eight years old because I feel like it was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I started acting when I was eight years old because it was a free program. So my parents like put me in it and my mom works in the arts and there was like a theater brigade. The Portland Theater Brigade was at the IFCC, which was a cultural center in my neighborhood that my mom worked at and did programming at. And so I went and I think my brother and I both went and he dropped out after like a month or two. And I was like, I love this. And during that time, I remember the, you know, the woman who ran it kind of had a meeting with me and my parents and were like maybe she should like really do this like you know she really loves this and we think there's something there and so I did my first audition when I was eight and I've always looked and read much older than I was and they like told me in the audition that I like wasn't like that they were like you're amazing but like you just seem way too old and I was like eight and the role was for seven and I think they thought I was like 14. Plus it was like my first audition and like I had been practicing like so hard for, you know, like it was just, and I just started weeping. Like I just broke down in the audition room. I was like, done, I can't do this. They had to take me out of the back way. I don't know why I'm telling this story. They had to take me out of the back way 
because I was like, so I was eight years old. Like, I think you maybe just don't say that. And so they like took me out. My parents were like, yeah, no, we're not like, we're not pursuing this. We're not doing this. And I stopped and then I got into it in middle school and I, and I really wanted to be a lawyer for a long time. And I was doing mock trial. And I remember talking to one of the lawyers and they were like, yeah, we like, you don't really want to go to trial. Like that's really kind of a, you have to be like a trial lawyer and B that's kind of like last case scenario. Like people don't want to go. They were like, so all the prep that we do leading up to the competition, that's like what you have to love. And I was like, well, I don't love that. Like I love <laughs> the actual mock trial. Like I loved being on my feet. I love the imp- you know, the improv, I loved knowing what my opening, my closing was. I loved doing cross, like, I loved that aspect of it. And I realized, like, I really loved the performance. And so I slowly found my way back to acting. And I did, like, the August Wilson monologue competition. And I went to nationals with it. And stuff just kept going. And then when I left school, when I graduated at 18 for from high school, I went to Juilliard. And it just kind of has been my past since. That's amazing. And now you're still in New York, correct? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what life at Juilliard was like? I feel like Ash and I were saying before this, like for all actors, everyone just has this like, oh my God, image of Juilliard. Like it's such a a mecca in the acting world. So it would be so cool to hear about like what it was really like. Yeah. I think like, which is like a path I think we'll talk about too, like after leaving Juilliard, but I think like being naive could can be like actually like a really positive thing to have, like to not know exactly how prestigious something is. And like I said, I was from Portland, Oregon. I had no family in the business, no one even like close to having done, like I just didn't know a lot of stuff. So I was like applying to things and auditioning for places, knowing it would be like a big deal to go there. But I think I also was like, I just didn't really fully, I did not know the level of like mm-hmm. prestige that it held in the acting world or just in the, like the world's period. So I was just kind of like auditioning for schools and I was like going to be in New York auditioning for other schools when the Juilliard audition was happening. So I was like, I'm going to do it. And the process is a really long process. The audition process, like you come at 9am, like everybody, it's like cattle, like everybody shows up at 9am. And then you wait and you get a time slot and then you like audition and then you go out of the room and wait and then they'll bring you back in if they want to see more. And then you'll go and you'll wait and then they're going to get rid of almost everybody and then people stay and you do this like big group audition. And then you wait and then you go in a room and audition again in front of like half the staff. And then you wait and then you wait to see if you get an interview. So it starts with like 200 people in a day and by the end there's like 15 people. And then if you get to the next level, you come back for a full weekend and you audition and you like take classes and you're like with all these people and you do that for a full weekend. And then out of those top 50, they choose their class. So, and eight of you are undergrad and, or nine of you are undergrad and nine of you are grad students. So I would also say like you're, auditioning and a lot of people who are undergrad maybe they just didn't go to college and they've been acting in the world so when you're 18 you know like and your mom's like what's happening next and you're with like you know like a lot of my classmates were like in their 30s you know you're like sitting with these like adults you know so it's a whole other like weird that they really made a choice to do this and you're kind of like I'm auditioning to go to acting school you know like you're kind of not even but I think that that like 
I don't even know what I'm doing. So I'm just here. I'm just going to do it is like really, really helpful. My actual experience in the building and going to Juilliard was really complicated. I started Juilliard in 2016. I graduated in 2020. So America as a whole was going through a really intense reckoning, you know, at that time. And work, being at an institution that holds itself with such prestige and asking the question of like, what does prestige really mean, right? Like, who gets to say it's prestigious? Who gets to be in those rooms? Who gets to control those rooms? It was hard. It was hard for all of us. It was hard for the students. It was hard for the, the teachers and it was hard for the administration. On top of that, it's it's just rigorous, you know, like you are there 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. every single day, Monday through Saturday. You know, you're taking classes. You've got 10 minutes in between class. You've got an hour for lunch. You've got an hour for dinner. You're in rehearsal till 10 p.m. And like I said, I was 18. My classmates were in their 30s. I'm trying to figure out how to like be away from home for the first time. And, you know, they're married and are living their lives. So you kind of have those pressures what it was to be a person of color in those rooms at that time was really hard and and at times really difficult but i would never i would i would never i would like i wouldn't give it away for the world i think that it trained me in a way that like my acting practice is so is changed because of it but like my life practice is also changed because of it like i i think i will always be shaped by those really early four years of my life learning to think and to question and to be curious and to be interested and to be detail oriented and you know to be prepared and to be on time and and all of those things that Juilliard really hammered in I'm really thankful for and I can also like hold space that it was a really complicated I had a complicated relationship to the institution as a whole what was life like for you outside of Juilliard like when you graduated Four years later, I know 2020 hit, so weird experience also on top of that when the world kind of just shut down. But what was your experience like outside when you graduated Juilliard, having that name, you know, on your diploma? What do you feel like it opened up doors for you that wouldn't usually be opened to people who maybe didn't get the chance to go? Yeah. I, I like to say, like, we work in an industry of last names. So you, you kind of are born with one or you, you go to school and you get one. So I like joke, I walk into a room and it's like, I imagine like if my last name was Scorsese, there'd be like an, I would walk into a room with an, with a, you know, it's like that it's, you know, say hi of any Juilliard, you know, like that he kind of becomes a part of. So yes, like my, my road to getting representation was, you know, very specific. My road into auditioning and what I was able to audition for was very specific and then also the opportunities like the level that the opportunities I've been able to have both as an actor and as an artist in whole like it holds a lot of weight in the art world kind of however you, you, you choose to wield it but that's not that's not everyone who comes out either you know and I don't want to like make it seem like you go there and like you got the golden ticket you know some people come out and don't get representation. Some people come out and don't work. And it's, it's, that's a, that's also, you know, they're also on like a totally different journey. So I think everybody kind of has their own journey, but I do know because of who I am, because of how I am as an artist, having that last name 
has been hugely beneficial and and has allowed me so much opportunity that I don't know that it would have looked like this had I not. Yeah. It's so true what you're talking about because I'm in Columbia's MFA film program and I also did that like I don't want to say later in life but you know I had a lot of space between my undergraduate before I did my MFA Mm -hmm. and the kids who came like with a little bit of life behind them like they very much felt like you know this is a short time period I have to get everything out of this that I can like kind of in a way that it's like almost you're tense going through the program and I do feel like the kids who came out of it came to do it right out of undergrad had this like sort of bright-eyed naivete like not understanding what the industry is yet (laughs) where like the people who are older had this like I don't know, like chip on their shoulder, like just knowing what the industry is going to be and how hard it's going to be when you get out of school, you know? And I do think that there's really something to that, like bright eyed innocence when you take on a program like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, and like, you're not as precious about your time because it's been controlled for your whole life. Like if you've never left school, you don't really have an understanding of like, of choice almost, you know, in another way that it's like doing those programs that are very rigorous. You're almost like, you've kind of been told what to do your whole life. So you, you, you can fall in line in a way that at times is helpful. You know, I don't know. I've, I've showed up on sets and just been like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I think it's like helpful in a way. Cause I'm not in my head about things in a way or like, I don't know. I think that's just a way that like my mom is always like, where are you saying? What are you doing? What's this? Who's that? Who's that? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm just going to show up and figure it out, you know? And I think, like, that is what works best for me. Like, I just like to take the temperature while I'm there. But I don't know what I would have been. Like, I don't know if I could go get my MFA from Juilliard now. I mean, I don't know who I would have been had that not been my undergrad experience. So I think that's hard to say. But, like, I, that would be hard for me to, like, put that. Yeah, I think I like I've watched in some of my classmates also because like we're in a very ageist industry as well. Mm-hmm. So for a classmate who was going to come out who was, you know, a woman who was going to be 37 versus me who was going to come out at 22, the anxiety around am I is it going to be feasible? Am I going to be, you know, was was different, you know? Yeah. So I also can't like it's it's hard when when this is so a part of the marketplace, right? Like yeah. you we, we sell ourselves and our image in a way that it's it's difficult when especially for women when you add the age element in 100 yeah. percent. i want to talk about rejection for a second because like you talked about feeling this very intense rejection at a young age but then obviously you got over that after mock trial you went on to juilliard and you know you went through this very intense audition process where i'm sure a lot of people left you know traumatized over the rejection because for a lot of people going to college is their first audition experience i'm curious how you got over that like I guess, in a way, for the love of the game and also how you continue to deal with that on a daily basis because it is so ingrained in this career? I would say in some ways, I just have like an unwavering confidence about myself. And recently, because like, so, okay, so there's like the like, you're just auditioning and like you don't get stuff. And I think that that's like one thing. When you get really close to something, 
that's when it's like, ooh, that hurt. You know what I mean? Like when you're, you know, if you've done all the callbacks and it's like you and one other person and then you don't get it or like, or like you really thought, or like, you know, that kind of stuff stings more. And I was dealing with it in June before the shutdown and that instance happened. And the first thought that came to my mind was, I'm really happy that that person got their blessing because whenever I've received or I've gotten a role or stuff has moved forward for me is definitely been my blessing. Like it's definitely like that room was really made for me to be in that room. Like I was supposed to go to Juilliard with that like group. And like, I wanted to go to a different school, like didn't get into the school that I like, really wanted to go to, which is like, you know, but because it wasn't my blessing. Like that was, I wasn't supposed to be there. I was supposed to be here. I was supposed to be in this TV show. I was supposed to be in this movie. I was supposed to be in this residency, whatever. It was my blessing. So if I believe that about myself, when someone else gets something, the first thing I say is, thank God they got their blessing because it was time for them. You know, but when you remove it in that way, it's not even like, oh, I you know, you, you kind of like, you just kind of remove yourself from it. Because also when you get stuff, like I love being on sets with my producers or my director or like whatever. And it's like, you know, you know, you're kind of like, so like, why was it me? You know what I mean? Like when you get it, you're like, so like what I do and like, they never have an answer, you know, like, it's like, I don't know. They're just kind of like, because it was you or like, we saw you and we just knew. So it's like, it, it almost is like you have to remove the, like, it, it's not personal, you know? And I know that that's hard, but like, it's just like, it's really not, personal you know like personal reject is hard to get over in life you know and like romantically and friendship wise and you know those things like those things still I'm they really hurt me but when it comes to like my career you know you also it's like at a certain point you've gotten rejected I probably got rejected I don't, I don't know I've probably done like 200 auditions I don't know like probably like I've got to show so much and like, I don't hear about it. You don't even hear anything. Like you don't even get rejected. Like you get ghosted. Like you just get ghosted. And that's just kind of the vibe. I don't know. I'm like, it's like dating now and auditioning very similar. Like they just don't text you back, you know? And, or you don't text them back. You know what I mean? Like it just, yeah. you know, I don't know. I think I just like released it. And I don't put all my eggs in my acting basket. And I think that that is like my number one. It doesn't affect me and my life that much if I don't get it. It's going to affect me more if I get it. It's going to be like a little more annoying schedule wise and this. And now I got to figure out that. And I got to move now for three months or whatever. Like that's more work actually. So, you know. What is your life outside of acting? So I'm going to answer this question and like another question that you asked. But in 2020 is when I graduated. We went on spring break. We did not come back. And that was a really weird time to have invested a really particular four years of my life into an industry that was silent as we all experienced. Um, and we're in a similar phase again, but I started, I was living upstate and I was in upstate New York and I was cooking a lot and I was like starting to really fall in love with food and it kind of just kept developing into this visual arts practice. So I'm a sculpture sculptor and my medium is food and that engages in performance as well. And so the first time I did it, I was working with a friend of mine who I went to school with, a jazz musician named Emmanuel Wilkins. 
he called me and asked me for some, you know, like some writing, some lyrics. He was writing this jazz opera for 2021. And we kind of kept talking about it and I was making all these food videos, but I like, I knew I didn't want to like do like the food content thing. And I knew I didn't want to do the, like, I didn't want to work in a restaurant. Like it was just, it was too much like Juilliard. It was too like rigorous and yelling and mean. I, I just was like, I'm, I'm not into that either. So it kind of started being this like piece of performance work. And then also like, it just kept developing. So in 2021, I did this piece called Blue Blood Black Future with this musician and we, I built this altar out of like food and fabric and, and talismans and objects and and then I cooked on stage for two hours while this like project was happening. So it just kind of kept developing from there and then insta I would make installations and sometimes they would sit or I make inst like pop-up installations so they'll happen and like you come and you experience it but you're also eating it. So it's always an offering and so it's working with food, but there's this kind of aspect of like understanding the the food as as like a medium to sculpt with and to tell story with. And then that's developed. I did a short film called Winter Citrus and we premiered that at Ars Nova. And the stage was covered in sculptures out of oranges. And I was on stage while it happened. And so I did that and that was two days. and. It was like 10 hours long, so like durational kind of performance. And so I kept developing and now I'm in upstate New York at the Wasaic Project, which is a visual art residency. So I'm up here with a bunch of painters and sculptors and printmakers and writers and people working on a bunch of different mediums and working on food sculptures and getting ready for another short film. So that takes up so much of my practice and my time that when like the acting comes, it's very, you know, it's fun to watch how they also like inform each other because how I learned to be curious at Juilliard was like, when I started working in a new medium, it was like, I already had those, like I already knew how to ask those questions. I already knew what the questions needed to be. I just needed to like figure out how to develop the, the practice. And so that's been a lot of the last three years of my life as well as the acting. So when you, when Juilliard went on spring break and didn't come back, you were also in upstate New York? I was because, bless her heart, my like speech teacher was like, well, you know, I've got this big house and my brother has a big house. You know, like we should, you know, if any students like want to come up. And so my best friend and I were like, I called my best friend, I was like, I'm scared. I don't know anybody. What, what are we going to do? And he was like, let's go. Let's like go up. So I went and I was like with him and some like two other students. And I was there for like, I don't know, two months. And it was really wow. sweet. And it was like really lovely. And we were just like cooking and playing and hanging out. And it was a really hard time for a lot of people. And I don't want to minimize that. But there was something about the pause that I'm feeling because of the strike as well right now that I like very much enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like the pause too. I remember like when the strike was first announced, I was like, oh God, like what am I gonna do with my life without auditions? Like who am I without auditions? But there is some like beauty in figuring out like what does life look like when it's not, you know, the identity we can grasp to. Oh my God. 
I, I look, I'm like not an actor who's gonna be like, I love auditioning, like I love the pro, like I hate it. I hate it so much. Cause I, I'm nervous and I'm thinking so hard about it and you're putting so much effort in and you know you're gonna get ghosted and like, you know, and maybe you know you're not right for it, but your team wants you to do it for a certain reason or, or you just wanna do it for like, or like, you know, the, you wanna look good and does my hair look good and I, my makeup look good and do I have my, you know, you spend an hour getting your lights set up every time and then you gotta bug a friend and are they auditioning as much and you get good auditions with them and you know what I mean? like. I love it. Like, I'm like so happy. Are you kidding me? I'm like, don't, please, you know, like, you know, tell my team, like, offer only, no offers, but offer only, you know, like, I don't even want to do it anymore. So I don't know. I, I'm like, I, I'm enjoying the rest. I, it was really like lucky. I like applied for this residency this time last year. So it was really kind of lucky that it just hit. And I did another residency at, Berkeley rep for their ground floor residency so this summer kind of a just I didn't want to be in the city for August I was like super clear about that last summer but kind of these things that like popped up which when you are an auditioning actor it can be really hard to convince your team that you're going to take time off from auditioning or that you're going to like block out a schedule for something that they might not understand and and sometimes they're amazing about it. Sometimes it's, you know, you have to kind of push your, you know, finagle a little bit more, especially if you have practices in multiple places. So I think that, like, it was a really lucky moment for me that, like, I didn't have anything, but all this other stuff I had, like, already planned. And, like, because you don't know. It could have been August. We could have not been on strike. It could have been August. And I could have been, like, not getting auditions. Like, that's the other thing about being an actor always try to make yourself available and sometimes I'm like for what no I'm gonna plan to do something else and if we get there we get there but I don't need to like plan like I don't need to plan to be free if there's no reason for me to be free yet yeah yeah I feel like I've missed out on so many like family holidays and like family stuff just because I was like no I have to go back early because it's pilot season and then I'm there in LA and there's like nothing it's crickets no and you're not gonna like I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I, I would say I'm like very ambitious in my career and I, and I want to like work hard and enjoy that. And I also like want to spend as much time as I can with my family and I want to see my friends and I don't also want to isolate myself in my work. Like I've never been that person. I, I don't want to isolate myself for the work. And again, I like, I feel like things will come when they're supposed to come. And that's, that's a really new place I'm in in my life. I would say out of like the past, like, few months where something happened and I was supposed to have this meeting and I like I got on the plane I was ready to go and the flight like didn't take off like literally like flight got canceled and the meeting was like for that night and it was in it was like on the west coast and I was on the east coast and there was like no reschedule like it just was like and for the first time in my life I just got off and I was like there's something better like there's some like I just like felt like there's something better for me like this or this meeting is gonna happen and then you know, a month later, it's like the meeting is gonna happen next month, but like everything leading up to it is like, couldn't have been better. Like it couldn't, it was like not supposed to happen that night. And so I feel that way. I'm like, well, if there's an audition that I really can't do because I'm like hanging out with my dad who's 70 and I'm like not gonna see him again probably for six months, like it's okay. You know, like I wanna be present. And I will say my team is also really like, 
they're really about. They're like, if you are like spending time with your family, like spend time with your family. And I feel bad for them vice versa. So you can't hit them up when they're hanging out with their family. You know what I mean? Like you gotta like, but I think that that's the career like path I'll always wanna have is that I'm like enjoying and living my life and I'm also like engaging in the, in, in the world and in the practice. I, I want to talk about an audition process that did go well for you. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I think it's important to celebrate our wins as well. So I want to hear about the whole audition process for Paper Girls, your experience booking the role, and, you know, how that's changed up your career trajectory for you. Totally. So I got rejected. I like, auditioned for a different role in the show originally. I auditioned for, like, a much smaller, like, guest star like one episode role and it was my first callback I hadn't been getting like any callbacks I I I, it was it wasn't like a full year out of Juilliard by the time I filmed it it was a full year out but like the audition process started in March and I didn't end up on set till July but I remember I like got the audition and I was doing it with my friend and the show was, is a little like silly, like there's a little silly aspect of it. And I am not a comedian. Like I don't, I, it's not my bag. And I think comedians are like some of the most brilliant people and like comedic actors. And I went to school with a few who are like some of the, I mean, it's just like, it's its own talent and like, it's just amazing. So I kind of was like being a little silly because I was like, this is a little, like I'm reading this, I'm like the kids are traveling. Like, I'm like, this is kind of silly, you know? And I remember like, we were having a really joyful time with it. So again, with my like, well, I hate auditioning, but it's like, we're kind of just having fun with it. And I think like, I think we wanted to like watch a movie after. So we were like, let's like get this done. Like, you know, and I got a callback and I like did my callback and I got rejected. You know, I got the like, hey, she's great. She's not right for this. But we think there's a role down the line that we are gonna want her to like audition for. And I think kind of your first assumption is like, it's going to be a small, like I was like, oh, this is already a guest star, like maybe like a one scene role. But at that point, it was rounding a year since I'd left school. My other practice was like my food work. I was directing people. I was styling stuff. Like I was kind of just like really having also a good time in the COVID of like, you could do whatever you want. And people like were going, like were flying with it. Like, you know, like, it was a lot of, for me, at least in my artistic community, like, we were, everyone was just making shit because they could. So people were, like, we were just, like, I was, like, oh, yeah, I'll be a creative director. Like, oh, yeah, like, I'll make a food installation. Oh, you know, I'll, you know, so kind of chilling. But I got the second audition, and I was, like, oh, this is, like, actually, I actually really like this writing. And I really like that. After was it? So I want to say, I'm like going to guess, but I think the first audition process happened in April and then it wasn't until May and May at the end of May. So it had like, been like two months. Like there was enough time where it wasn't on like top of the brain. And when I got it, I didn't hold, I wasn't holding, I wasn't precious about it. I wasn't holding on to it. So about May, I got the second audition and that one. Yeah. I remember thinking like, oh, this writing's really good. She was you know, she's kind of the, the audition part that like did end up in the TV shows when she's, you know, talking to her younger self and she's talking about what it, her experience was going to MIT and going to this prestigious school, but being a black woman there. So I felt like this immediate connection to that. 
And there was just like, there was like moments I thought it was like fun. And I thought the idea of like, where I was in my own life and my own like kind of practice about trying to deal with myself as a younger child and do that healing work. I thought it was a really cool opportunity for that to show up in the acting. Like I kind of fell in love with it. Did that audition. I cannot remember if I had one or two callbacks, but I just remember like going in, everybody was on the like screen. And at that point, you know, we were like zoom professionals. So I was like, let's like, let's do this. And then when I got the call, I was like working at an antique shop in Chinatown and they emailed me and were like, basically I would need to have a call with everybody. And now I know if you have a call with everybody, it means something good. But at that point I was like, well, it's been a year and they're gonna drop me. I was like, they're gonna drop me. So I was like, I can't have the call right now because I'm at work. And I was like, I can't get dropped at work. Like that's embarrassing and I was thinking about everybody I know and I'm like pumping myself up I'm like no like I'll like we'll get you another agent like I'm like I literally was like already problem solving I was like I'm gonna call this person okay I've got this per like I literally was like who do who do I know who's mom who like I don't know and I like got home it was hot as like it was so hot I got home I like lit the candles on my altar I like got on my bed and I was just like don't cry like leave with pride and they got on the phone and they were like, you know, like you, you, you booked the role. And I was like, what role? I was so, I had one callback. Like, we know the role you booked, baby. Like, I was like, so like, and then the first thing I said to them, because I just got in the job, like it was like my week two at this antique shop. I just got in the job. And I said to them, I said, I just got a day job. <laughs> and they just were like, I think they just thought I was really like odd. I think they just like, I think they've always thought I was a little weird, but I think at that point they were just like, what the fuck? Like she's sending us videos of her cooking on stage with musicians and now she's like worried about her day job. Like at that point they like did not know, like they were so confused by it. And it, but it was great. I like called my mom and she was like crying, you know? Like it was just like the big wins when you kind of lose a lot feel really, really like amazing. It felt amazing. Like I remember my friends were going out to dinner that night and and like two of my best best friends were like going out to dinner and like a few other people, like acquaintances and stuff. And I didn't want to go because I thought I was going to get dropped that night. So I didn't want to go and like cry in front of, and they're all actors and they're all successful actors too. So I was like, I really didn't want to do that. And then I was like, remember my friend, I was like, I'm coming. You know, like I was just like, wow. Like, I bet, you know, I love a celebration. I love a good time. So it was amazing. And then showing up on set was like really hard because it was my first job ever. My first time being on set. It was my first time being, you know, I was like, what do you do after they call action? I remember like that was my big question. It was like, what do I do after they call? Like, this was like pause. Like, does everybody know you pause for 10 seconds or do you go? Like, you know, I think I have a lot of, I have a lot of fear of not looking like I belong where I am. And that was like, I, I didn't want to show up and like people like felt like I did not know what I was doing. And I showed up on set with kids, 14 year olds who like were more professional than I, like, I mean, they have worked more than I had. So like I'm obsessed with them. They're like amazing girls. But you know what I, you don't want to like, you don't want to say to the 14 year old, like, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're kind of just out there, you know? So I was like, I really was 
it really was kind of just like a like you know you kind of just keep your cool you keep your mouth shut and you look around you know and that's what i would say like keep your mouth shut like don't talk on your first day not in a like in a bad way or like in a weird new way but like just watch like take the opportunity to like watch and you'll figure it out you know i asked hey you know, they knew it was my first job. They knew I was coming from Juilliard. So again, you know, I got a bigger opportunity as my first. But I said to them, like, is it possible for me to, like, come to set a day early? Because I was, I, we filmed in Chicago. So I was there, like, a week before I even started for hair and testing, you know, whatever. And I said, you know, can I just come and sit on set, you know, so I can, like, learn, you know? Just, like, where do the actors go? What, what's Video Village? Like, there's a lot of language. I just... I just finished my like second big project and on this one I like didn't care I was asking all the time I'm like what does that mean like I just like for some reason like the first time I didn't want anybody to know I like hadn't done it and the second time I was on set though I was just like what does that mean I don't know what that means or like what do you mean go there or like what are are you talking about because it's a lot of like there's a language on set that's really intimidating so it's like you listen you're gonna learn a lot but then also you can just be like I actually don't know what that means and no one like no one was like had their nose up to me but it was you know super different you know being like this tv show was all 14 year olds and then i just did a movie with like me and two 60 year olds and that was like a totally different experience you know like you're like the baby you know like that being on set i'm like oh these girls are like looking up to me in a way that like you do when there's a when you're 14 and there's a 20 something, you know, like you, you just, you get a certain status as like a young adult. Right. And then you go and I'm like 24 and everything's like in their sixties and I've been working in this industry for years and years and years and like all this stuff. And in that room, I was almost more comfortable to like lean into the fact that I don't know, you know, and that was like also really liberating for me, I think. I want to talk a bit about your representation journey because you mentioned that like you found your team that you felt like that going to Juilliard helped you in doing that but it seems like you have a team who really like understands you and works for you and works around your schedule how did you go about that and also like how would you advise people who are starting out and looking for representation so I actually just I just switched my manager I think it's a lot easier to get in bed than it is to get out of bed. My previous manager, great guy, solid dude, like amazing. It just wasn't the right fit, you know, but I have nothing bad to say about him. I have nothing bad to say about anybody that I've worked with. I've been really, really privileged. I've had a really, I've had amazing co-stars. I've had amazing directors. I've had amazing producers. Like I'm super, super blessed in that way. Going about getting representation, I cannot tell you if you did not go to one of the schools because that's mine. I can't even pretend to know how to go about it because that was just my experience. I also think that what was hard the first round is I did all of my meetings on Zoom. I did not, wasn't in person because it was COVID. And I also like did not know who I was as an artist. I was coming out of school. I was being told what roles I was, you know, getting. I was a little bit pigeonholed in my casting at Juilliard for for most of my time. My last year, like, really switched up, which is amazing. But you know, for the first three years, it was like so not my pocket, not my bag. I had no idea about my food practice. I didn't really understand that I wanted to be a director. Like, I didn't know who I was. And I was in a place of panic and survival because the power dynamics are so intense. You're coming out of school, you not, you don't know anything about the industry. 
and it was also a pandemic. So it was kind of a perfect storm to, I still was really lucky. Like they worked so hard for me. Like they get me out, they get me seen, but I knew it was like time to switch. And I knew that it was time for a different management team and you kind of have to ride your momentum. So you have to know when to move. So I booked this movie, I left my manager and I came off the movie. I knew that I would be able to get, I knew that coming off of that project, I would be at a better place to get new representation. If I hadn't had that, I mean, A, I met my new manager through my producer, which I'd also say like, if you know producers that know, you know, it's also like connections and people who know you and know other people sometimes are like matchmakers. It's like asking your friend to set you up. You know, I don't think it's good to ask other actors. I think it like puts actors in a weird position because I think unless like you really, unless you have like a lot of status, like I've had people like come into my DMs and like that I like know from like once or like I met and like, like, like we went to middle school together and like asked me to hook them up with my team. And it's like, I don't really have the status for that. You know, like you, like it is a, it is an industry about status. And so if you can find someone, maybe like an actor who, you know, but who's like been working for a really long time, has a really tight relationship, like they might be able to do that. I found that like producers or like people you've worked with, like if you've worked with a director, if you've worked with a producer, if you've worked with people, they might have a better ability to like get you in a room. So that was like, that. that that's kind of like what I think. But in this last round, because I just did like a bunch of managers and like sat down, I knew way more about myself. I didn't, wasn't trying to prove to them that they should sign me. I wanted to know why they, I wanted to hear from them what they were going to do for me and switching it to like, I'm not applying for a job. I'm hiring my staff because they are your team. They do work for you. So you have to feel like they listen to you. And I knew I would like came in and was like, this is what my next year, I want my next year to look like. This is the project I'm working on. You know, is it a team, like if you're not just an actor, like is it a team that wants you for more than just being an actor and really understands that, you know, like, and that's what I knew I was going in for. And also was just like sitting in the room was like, yeah, I'm a director. I want to make this film. This is what I'm working on. And so it ended up being like, I'm obsessed with my manager now. I think she's amazing. I think uh, like both, I have two managers on my team. I think they're both so smart, so cool. They understand my work. They're interested in the other side of my work. That was so important to me. They take my call, you know, like they, they, they listen to me if I say, no, I don't want to do that. And they give me their opinion. Like, it just kind of worked, but I think it, I think it like might be like a dating game a little bit. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know that like you're going to meet the first, the first person you ever like work with. Like maybe they're really good at getting people like off the ground, you know, but like, and then when you're like coasting, you might need some, you know, I don't know. Like I, I, I think I've had like a really particular experience, but I don't know. You just kind of know, like, and you know, when like, you know, when your show's coming out, they're going to like answer the phone way more you know but the week before it comes out you, you know it might be a little harder you know till you get the ring back you know or like you, you just have to know how to utilize people you need to ride your momentum it's really a game it's a dance like you're just kind of reading the you got to read the room i think a little bit so that's not like not helpful for anyone
anybody, but mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of my experience. No, I thought that was super helpful because I think a lot of actors just go to their fellow actors. I don't think that people think to go to the producers. But I think, Ash, we can move on to your favorite questions about particularly your number one favorite question to stop people <laughs> for. Well, we would like to know what are some healthy habits or routines, like a morning routine that you've set for yourself to keep yourself grounded in this insane industry? And, you know, like our minds just work in such different ways that I'm so curious about how yours works and what keeps yours grounded. Totally. Yeah. It's something that like is it like ebbs and flows seasonally for me. So I'm in this like really restful season where like I'm sleeping so much later than I'm also, I'm in the country. So I'm like living a country life, you know, I'm sleeping in, I'm getting up. But when I'm in the city, especially as soon as it starts getting dark late, I, and in the fall, I always put myself back on the Juilliard schedule. So I wake up first thing in the morning, I do my like, you know, water I do my celery juice like I do all the health stuff I try to eat something really fast and I go to the gym I like having a place to go I love like sitting in a sauna and like sweating it out but I love to just like get the body going because as soon as those like endorphins are going and the brain is moving and like when I'm moving my body it's like I hate to say it but it's 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 a game changer like you're just like you feel like a a a better person I feel like I've accomplished something and so because I did that I just want to keep going and then I think like being working for yourself because also I always say like being an actor is running a business and you know I just like in like work hours so after I go to the gym I go straight to a coffee shop and then I work for the entire morning and that is can be creative it can be emails it just depends on what the day needs maybe I'm writing maybe I'm and then um I go home, I'll eat a little bit, I'll work from home. If I don't do the gym in the morning, I take a Pilates class in the afternoon. I've done Pilates for the past four years. I really love it. I really swear by it. I think it's amazing. And then I try to make myself dinner. I like try to really, or like have dinner with somebody, but like dinner, I try to be like just as intentional about if I had like a little, like I always imagine like if I had a family, what would I do for my kids? And I try to, or if I have a partner, like, I'm, it's so easy to be like, oh my God, like, did you eat when, you know, when he comes home from work? But like, it's harder to do that to yourself. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm very, it's easy for me to think about caretaking for others. It's harder for me to be, you know, internalize that. So just like thinking of myself as my partner, thinking of myself as my family, like what would I do for somebody else if I wanted to make their day perfect and like try to implement that. But I think moving the body, I think drinking the water, I think a great cup of coffee, I think, you know, stillness, I think moments of meditation, I think they like are really little things that add up, especially for me, like seasonal, it can be easy to fall into like a seasonal depression in New York when like it's four o'clock and you're done, you know, and like that stuff gets a little rough. So I find that like putting myself on like a real like regimented schedule, my days like add up in a much, in a much better way. What a great, what a great answer. Thank you. Okay. So as you know, we are damsels in the DMs. So we have to ask you these DM questions. And we would love to know what is the funniest, wildest, most intriguing or inspirational DM that you have ever received? Okay. 
after the request to be on this podcast, what was my craziest DM? I love the DMs that are like from, I love the DMs that are like from people who watch the show. I think it's really sweet, but I also love the DMs from people who like, who like watch the show and then like ask really in- intense like questions about it. You know, like I love when people are like, what somebody, somebody messaged me and was like, they were like, the show was really great, but this moment was so stupid. And I just like thought it was the fun. Like people say like out of pocket stuff. Like, I don't know. I feel like they just like forget that. Like they were like, you look so stupid at this moment. And you're like, thank you. Or like fan art that like you really feel like doesn't look like you, especially like people like making my body and you're like, please don't do that. Like you're giving me like a complex, like people just message me like the funniest stuff or like, or just stuff that like, I, I don't know. I think like the, the, the private section of the DMS is like a lot of people being like, love the show from Brazil. You look really dumb. And like, thank you so much. I love you too. <laughs> I'm kind wow. of dying to see the fan art now. Yeah, same. I untag myself from it. No, not all of it. That sounds, that sounds so mean. Not all of it. Not all of it. But sometimes I'm like, you guys, I hurt my feelings. Like, I don't look like that. I don't look like that. You're giving me body dysmorphia right now. Yeah, like, do you respond oh, to them? And you're like, uh, thanks for trying, but maybe try again. No, <laughs> I don't even, like, I, like, I try to, like, give, like, a Oh, thank you. If people like, I don't know, I respond to all the women in my DMs, the men I'm like less likely to respond to. And like, it's also hard because you want to respond. I don't necessarily want to have like a full fledged conversation, but also sometimes I'll go in there and there'll be someone who like, I super respect, like paper girls have such a funny audience. Like it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot like a younger audience. A lot of people in Brazil, I guess, were really into the show. And then, like, some, like, people who are real, like, comic book people, but, like, work in the industry. So there were also people who, like, I, some directors and, like, producers who, like, I'm a huge fan of their stuff. I love indie film. That's kind of where I'd like to really work, both as a director and as an actor. And there were some, like, amazing people in, like, the indie film world who are just, like, dudes who love comic books, who are, like, in my DMs. And I was, like this is amazing. Like another artist who you like love and respect being into your work, you're like, it's like a freak out. You're like, oh my God, this is really exciting. So those are my like, those are my funny DMs. So getting into the DM of the week, it's the question is, what's one piece of advice you would give a beginner after working on set? I know you already said one, which was just to observe and you'll get the answers while observing. Do you have another piece of advice for them? Befriend your hair and makeup girls. Befriend them. Why? They they know a lot about what's going on. They're the person who's actually going to be like really like intimately the closest with you. They've got their hands in your hair and they're in your face. So sometimes like your director is off doing stuff, da 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 da. Like they're just a. I've always had like hair and makeup girls who like really had my back. I feel like on set. Just, like, about what's going on, what's the temperature of the day. Like, in, 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 befriend everybody. Introduce yourself to everybody. Like, don't yeah. stay up in their face. But, like, this last project that I was on, the older actress who I was working with, we had lunch before we started. 
she was amazing. And she was like, you know, when you're the lead of something, you're kind of, you're the captain of the ship as much as the director is. And so she was like, you, you know, you, you kind of lead it. So I think it was like, you know, shake everybody's hand, you know, the guy who's doing crafty as much as like the producer, you know, like you want your EP to like, but you, you want the like, you want to know the guy in crafty, you want to know who's doing your costumes, like you want to, their assistance, you know, like the assistance, the people, I think we think about, there's some, another actress has said this, I think, I want to say Issa Rae said this. Mm-hmm. But people think about networking as like, I'm trying to like get to this person, but like you kind of want to like get to this person. So it's like the other like assistants and the other people that are like really in the sticks with you. Those are the people you want to like befriend and be nice to and shake people's hands and ask them and, you know, just be a kind person. Like it goes a really long way because it gets really stressful on set. Like something goes wrong there. it, It costs a lot of money when things go wrong. But your hair and makeup girls, like, they're the first person you're going to see in the morning. They're Depending on if you have a wig or whatever, they might be the last person you see every day. They'll be in, you'll have these intimate moments, you know, and then you'll move. And I think if you have a strong relationship with them, for me, like, I like to have, like, that's just who I am. I like to have, like, a person who I feel like I can, and their focus is solely on you. The director is not really focused on you, like. She's got to deal with the producers. She's got to deal with the camera. She's got to deal with the light. She's got to deal with the image. She's got to deal with the, you don't, you don't have that, you know? So if you're someone who wants that, that's your, that's like, that can be your best friend. And I'm still like really close with all my hair and hair and makeup girls. I like kind of adore them. So that's, those are my big, know your lines, be prepared, be prepared. Be prepared. Awesome. And make friends with everyone. And make friends yeah, with everyone. Yeah, thank you so much. Honestly, this was so great. Thank you so much for coming on. Please, can you tell the listeners where they can find you on Instagram and if you have any, you know, links to a website? Yeah, I am Sekai Abeni on Instagram, which I'm sure will be like tagged with this. So you can find it. Don't have to guess the spelling. And no, no website, but you can find me on Instagram and I'm posting. I'm there. I'm present. Well, thank you so much, Sekai. It was such a dream talking to you, and we know that people will really get a lot out of this episode. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Well, it's been another episode of Damsels in the DMs. As always, please subscribe, rate, review on all of our podcast channels that you can find us, and keep sending us your DMs because we love reading them. And I think that's it. And we're making our fall calendars. So if there's anybody who you think deserves to be on the podcast, then please let us know because we would love to have them on. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Well, it's been another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down the DMs. Bye. Going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.